This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. This is episode 154, part two, ladies and gentlemen. Episode 154, part two. All right, now let's jump over here. Uh, to Wikipedia. I just want to introduce this to you. Uh, This is Jakarta. All right, Jakarta, officially the special capital region of Jakarta, is the capital and largest city of Indonesia, lying on the northwest coast of Java, the world's most populous island. Jakarta is the largest city in Southeast Asia and serves as the diplomatic capital of ASEAN, A-S-E-A-N. The city is the economic, cultural, and political center of Indonesia. It possesses a province-level status and has a population of 10,562,088 people as of mid-2021. So, 10.5 million people. It says, although Jakarta extends over only 664 kilometers squared and thus has the smallest area of any Indonesian province, its metropolitan area covers 9,957,000 kilometers squared, which includes the satellite cities, uh, Bogar, Deepak, Tangerang and South Tangerang and Bekasi and has an estimated population of 35 million as of 2021, making it the largest urban area in Indonesia and the second largest in the world after Tokyo. Jakarta ranks first among the Indonesian provinces in the Human Development Index. Uh, Jakarta's business and employment opportunities, along with its ability to offer a potentially higher standard of living compared to other parts of the country, have attracted migrants from across the Indonesian uh, archipelago, making it a melting pot of numerous cultures. All right, so this is Jakarta. Now, why am I bringing up Jakarta? Well, I started doing some research into smart city portals and i figured what the hell let me plug this in here today because we were just talking about it on the last couple of shows and so for those of you just joining in the smart smart city portal is is this in all of these smart cities these 15 minute districts these smart villages which are smart cities in the rural areas what is happening is that the technocrats are telling the folks telling you 
that they want to provide better government services to you, more streamlined, uh, more connection to the utility companies, to the infrastructure of the city and or village that you're living in. This is what they're telling you. So what have they done? They've gone in and they are installing Internet of Things technology throughout the cities and the villages. Now, what is this, folks? What is this Internet of Things technology? Well, we've covered that in depth on the Dust and Gold Standard in the past. There are tens of billions of objects connected up to the Internet of Things. That goes from the smartphone in your pocket uh, to the car that you're driving, whether an electric vehicle or gas-powered vehicle that has a computer in it. Basically, every car over the last 15 to 20 years has that in it. That goes to refrigerators and microwaves and other home appliances that are connected up to the internet. That goes to devices that you have in your baby's nursery that are considered to be smart, right? That goes to the Amazon Rings and the Google Nest and all this technology that you install inside and outside of your home. This goes into all of the cameras that are around the various cities and villages and on the highways and the streets from traffic lights with sensors to traffic monitors to facial recognition to license plate readers to parking meters All of this stuff, folks, all the cameras that are in the stores, outside the stores, inside the stores, this goes to all of these devices, all of these data sensors that they talk about that are just collecting data on the environment, on pollution, on the water, on the sewer lines. All of this makes up the Internet of Things. All right. Then you have what's connected to the Internet of Things called the Internet of Bodies. You combine the two, it's called the Internet of All Things or the Internet of Everything. And so the Internet of Bodies right now, that includes iWatches, Fitbits, certain earbuds, certain goggles, VR goggles, AR goggles, you know, XR goggles, all these devices that you wear. On top of it, you have implantables. There are people that have brain chips in their heads from surgeries. You have people with pacemakers. You have people with heart monitors. All these different things are part of the Internet of Bodies, everything that's tracking something on you or inside of you. You combine the two, Internet of Things and Internet of Bodies, you have the Internet of Everything. So what the technocrats are saying is that they're coming into your city or they're coming into your district, or they're coming into your village, and they're going to install more of this stuff. And one of the big things they've had to do, and uh, Marie Albanese just sent me a video from Twitter yesterday, uh, supposedly from New York City. You never really know with videos these days, but it shows uh, somebody is holding up their phone or their camera, leaning out the window, and they're showing all of these clusters of panels. They're probably 18 inches tall, by maybe six or seven inches wide, by a few inches deep, um, like like a rectangle. And there may be six or seven of them clustered together, maybe with little antennas coming out. They're showing one on one corner of a building, on another corner of a building. Now, these could very well be these uh, 5G replicators. You see them hanging off of towers. You're now going to see them on the sides of the smart poles in the cities, on the sides of the light poles. And so they're putting these up everywhere. And we know through the research we've done, it's not to stream you Netflix videos faster than... Uh, you can already watch a Netflix movie. 
The purpose of this is that they realize, the technocrats, the engineers in charge of the system, okay, that they did not have enough bandwidth to properly operate all of the Internet of Things or the Internet of Everything. They needed more bandwidth so they're putting up what's called 5g replicators all over the place it will eventually go deeper into that technology we've talked about it somewhat and essentially what they do is they allow them to boost this signal to create sort of a wi-fi signal all over the place and they need this to connect all of their devices to collect the data transfer the data up to the cloud store the data inside the servers in the data centers which we're going to get into tonight i'm going to show you how that works we covered uh the cloud system yesterday the day before we had covered some other technology and so this is how it works right so now you have the city you have the village you have that district just collecting data collecting everything that goes on they're collecting it and they're storing data every interaction you make with your phone to every interaction you make with a camera you don't even see walking down the street right so all this is being collected now what they're telling you uh, the folks that live in these areas, is that we're doing this to allow you to live in an inclusive city, an inclusive village in which you're going to have access to all of this data. Somehow this data they're collecting is going to make your life better. Uh, it's going to allow you to have tools for your small business. If you own a little shop there, a little brick and mortar store, maybe a jewelry shop, a bakery, a chocolate shop, whatever it may be, we're going to help you by providing you with all this data. As we've seen in Coral Gables, Florida, they claim that they are giving access to the pedestrian cameras to the small businesses so that you can see when people are walking down the street in front of your shop if they're stopping in front of your window and looking at the advertising hanging there it's going to help you and your business this is the trade-off right this is the buy-in this is how they create buy-in and they get people to say oh that sounds cool now i live in a city let's say someone who does nothing other than goes to work in the city they don't even really understand tech but they go whoa that's cool i could book a parking meter on my phone i no longer have to get out of the car and put a quarter in the parking meter i don't have to come back every hour and put another quarter in the parking meter of course they could have made the parking meters allow you to book up to 10 hours and then you wouldn't have to keep going back to the parking meter but that wasn't the point folks so now you can book the parking meter on your phone walk down the street a couple of blocks go to the coffee shop and how convenient it is because you run into julie you decide to have a conversation with julie and they say you know what julie I'm done working today already. Why don't we go get a beer at the bar? Where do you want to go? Well, let's go another three blocks up to McGilligan's Bar. There's some hot guys over there. That's where we want to go. Oh, crap, Julie. I got to run back to the car and put another quarter in the parking meter. No, you don't, Julie. You can just open the parking meter app and book another hour right there from the coffee shop and then we'll head over to mcgilligan's heck this is smart this is a world of connectivity you can do it while we're walking down the street right so now you can interact with the parking meter in real time or let's say you're sitting at home and you decide you want to build a shed in your yard 
Oh, what do I have to do to build a shed in the yard? You could pull up the old Smart City app and look up the zoning regulations. It says right here, listen, Bob, you aren't allowed to put a shed in your yard without a special license from planning and zoning. Oh, no. I got to go down to City Hall and find the planning and zoning office, walk in, deal with a grumpy city employee, ask for an application, Take out a pen, fill it out, wait three months until the lazy city employee processes it, cut him a check for $400 just so I can build a shed. Well, they could have just hired better city employees to do this, or they could not have planning and zoning and just allow you to build a shed in what would be called your property. What a concept that you'd be able to build a shed without having to deal with the city government. At the very least, not have to pay them to be able to build something on your property and then pay taxes on it later because you increase the value of your property. But heck, you don't have to do that, Bob. You can just use the Smart City app and open up Zonometer where you can jump right in and just pay the city your ransom, 400 bucks. that's it. Now you get a digital permit and you can build that shed, Bob, this weekend. You can go down to the old Home Depot and get that modular shed kit and just pop it up in the backyard because you paid your ransom to the city right online. Well, this is what they're telling you, right, is going to happen, what you're able to do. Now, I don't know what's so smart about any of this, all right? Being able to do something online, connecting with the city to fill out a application to build a shed, that has nothing to do with smart city tech. That's something that could have been implemented 20 years ago. Some cities do it. Some have it for the DMV when they take your ransom for your car registration. Uh, and you have to upload documents to them and stuff. Some of that can be done online. But there's nothing smart about that. They didn't have to install a million 5G replicators in your village. They didn't have to put up data sensors and facial scan cameras all over the city for you be, to be able to file a zoning application online. In fact, the parking meter nonsense has been taken over by private companies in most cities for many, many years, folks. Many, many years. So they're reselling and repackaging technology that already existed and should already be streamlined. Look, I don't want any of it. I, I don't want to interact with the government at all. I don't think I should have to. But this is the world we live in, and I'm telling you, this stuff should have been streamlined and done a long time ago, and they don't need all the new technology to be able to do it. When I get back, let me just give you a few more examples, and we'll show you what they're doing right here in Jakarta, Indonesia. Folks, my name is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. And you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. 
All right, folks. So here's the deal. So now with all this data they're collecting and they're processing, and then they're telling you you can interact with the data. For instance, you are going to have access to the traffic cameras so you can see when a jam is coming down on uh, Miracle Mile, for instance, in Coral Gables, their shopping district. You can already do that through the CIA's app called Google Maps, or you could do that through Waze, who's partnering with a lot of these cities. You can do that with uh, Apple Maps um, uh, or any of these other things that already exist. They already real-time scan everything. Everyone who's driving around with a phone in their car using Google Maps is contributing to that real-time database. So when there's a traffic jam, Google Maps knows that. I mean, Google Earth, Google Maps, all started uh, by the CIA through their venture firm, InQtel, and Google took it over and runs it for the government. That's all being done. So why does a city like New York City have to have their own set of traffic cameras to then tell you they're going to provide you with information on traffic? Also, they're adding these features like weather. Well, we already monitor the weather. We've had the weather channel for how long? And yes, they're 50% accurate most of the time. (laughs) Of course, we all could be. I could tell you it's going to be sunny tomorrow, and there's a chance that I will be 50% correct. That's just the way it works. So they have all these little gimmicks, all these little features, all these little things that already actually exist, and they didn't need to install all of the smart tech, the data sensors, the 5G replicators, the smart poles, and all this other stuff around the city to be able to provide folks with this information. The second part is, no matter where you live, okay, everyone in the city is not walking around with this city portal app open all the time or in the village where they want to wire that up with smart tech. They're not walking around looking at the app all the time. All right, so who are they actually creating buy-in for? They don't need the permission of the citizens of a city like Jakarta with 10.5 million people, 35 million if you take the whole metro area, to be able to create this stuff. 99% of people have no clue what's going on. You could just build it, right? So they're getting buy-in from the local government officials, from the city council, from the business folks that are active in the Chamber of Commerce, and they go out and they and they hobnob with the uh, local government folks. That's what they're doing. They're creating buy-in amongst the people that they need permission for to actually do this stuff, right? So what we talked about the other day is all of a sudden, where is this smart portal, though? Where is this app, this mobile application that you're supposed to download to be able to interface with the city to be able to access all of these features, all of these services they claim you can access. Everything from the simple stuff, like being able to real-time chat with the city or send an email to the city, you know, or fill out a contact form or file a zoning application or update your driver's license. All of these services that have been part of cities for you know, what, 50, 60, 100 years, you should already be able to do that. There's nothing smart about that. I could go in and build that type of a system. For, for you know, $100 an hour, I'd go in and build that for a city. Very simple to do. Very simple to do. So all that stuff is nonsense, and it should be done. And then the second half is access to all of these 
data sensor analytics that they're collecting. You know, the traffic, the pedestrian traffic, vehicular traffic, weather, pollution, all this stuff that no one wants access to to begin with. But where is the portal? And we found that missing in Coral Gables, Florida, America's number one smart city. We don't see anything like this in New York, Chicago, or other places. So I was looking for somewhere that has one built. Uh, I also mentioned on the show the other day that I see three possibilities. If I'm not seeing the front-facing interactive portal, then I have to say, what are they actually doing? Is it a giant grift? Are they just installing a bunch of stuff? None of it works, and they're charging a lot of money and making money. I don't believe that's the case. I really don't believe that this is the case. Now, Wide Awake Jim has proven that the climate hustle is, in fact, a green grift. It is a grift. Uh, They don't actually plan on doing what they're doing, but they are installing all the tech. They are putting all the policies into place, but it serves a purpose, and the purpose is to drive us into carbon credit-based central bank digital currency. I, I'm, that is proven, folks. That's where they're going with that. So there's a purpose to the grift. Now, they allow the grift to happen because it creates buy-in. All right? A lot of people make money off of the grift. Down to your neighbor, as I've said before, he's like a windmill installer or he's a solar panel installer or he goes out and he sells carbon credits to businesses or he sells green uh, green skin cream, whatever it may be. As Jim has mentioned here, Wanda Jim, that's the marketing. You know, the Tesla's driving around are the marketing. There's never an intention to actually wean us off fossil fuels and make a cleaner planet. That's not the goal. The goal is going to be in the end to tell us we failed and then drive us into the central bank digital currency. So what's the goal of the smart city? Is it a giant grift? Does the tech not work? No, of course it works. They're not installing 5G replicators all over the place. They're not putting up smart poles and facial scan cameras. They're not putting up these climate sensors and data sensors and traffic sensors and all this other stuff that's going into place for no reason. So is it a grift? No, I don't think it's a grift in that sense. All right, so then you have to ask yourself, well, what's the point? Is all this stuff being installed for a different purpose other than supplying you with a more efficient, more streamlined government with access to a smart city portal that does not exist? That's probably the case. They're installing all the prison planet technology that you would need in a casino, right? They're trying to turn the world into a casino. Everyone knows about casinos and the high-tech gadgets they've been using for many years to scan people's faces. A lot of this stuff has been tested inside of casinos. So we have this casino they're trying to build everywhere. On top of it, if we truly believe that they are going to be operating a central bank digital currency carbon credit-based system, they need infrastructure for that. So I would venture to guess a lot of this is that infrastructure. If they want to be able to stop you from moving outside of a 15-minute district with inside of a smart city like New York or Chicago or Atlanta or somewhere like that, they have to have all this smart gadgetry in place that creates all the electronic prison walls. So think about in a prison, uh, any movie you've seen, a prisoner, uh, you know, breaks free. Next thing you know, a gate slams shut and he can't get out of a certain segment there, a certain district inside of the prison. That's what they're building out in the real world with no intention of ever providing you with a smart city portal. To me, that is probably what is actually happening.
If they are going to give people access to a smart city portal, I've explained to you, all right, in great detail, it cannot be done, especially with a city like Coral Gables, Florida, of less than 75000 The amount of money and manpower it would take to actually build something like that is it's just not doable, folks. It's not doable. There's too many parts to connect, graphic design, user interface, launching apps. I mean, it is a lot of work, more than most people even realize. Unless you come out of IT or tech, you would be asking yourself, how are they going to build this? How are they going to build a custom-built 10, 20, 30, 40, $50 million application that connects in all these different services and actually provides value to the citizen, to the taxpayer, to the residents of that city or village. How is a village of 400 going to build an app like that? And I've said, unless these are going to be packaged as an out-of-the-box solution coming from Google, coming from Apple, coming from Facebook, coming from Microsoft, Oracle, Amazon, you know, one of the big players, then maybe that's what's going to happen. But at the same time, you'd imagine those companies would be making all of the smart tech as well so the app can plug easily into this. For instance, having an app in your home. Let's say when you turn your home into a smart home. I don't have one, so I've never actually played around with it. But if you open an app and you can adjust your Google Nest, you could talk to your Alexa, you could turn up the lights, dim the lights, make your couch vibrate, turn on your smart TV, play music to your baby in the nursery, and do all these things from the app, that's essentially what the Smart City app should look like. So I started investigating, are there any Smart City app developers out there? And this is where I came in contact with what's going on in Jakarta. This popped up on my radar. So there's a few things I want to show you on Jakarta. First off, I found some information here on IBM.com. IBM is a big player in this. We'll eventually do a whole show on IBM and their history with the uh, with the Nazis, folks. But uh, this says Jakarta Smart City transforms the responsiveness of public services with big data analytics of citizens' feedback. The Internet of Things holds huge potential to help cities harness data. But for now, the best way to deliver smarter public services is to listen to citizens. <laughs> Yeah, the government and IBM want to listen to say, do you want to listen to citizens? They're listening to you all the time. They're watching you all the time, uh, but they are not listening to you to get your feedback. <laughs> Goes on to say with a big data platform that analyzes an average of 40,000 items of feedback per month, Jakarta Smart City can make faster decisions while laying a foundation for Internet of Things services in the future. Now, remember, yesterday's show, we went through all of the data that's collected down to every minute of every day, folks. It's a lot of data. Now, you take Jakarta, a city of, let's say, 10 and a half million to 35 million, depending on if we're talking about the heart of Jakarta or the whole metro area. It says here, business challenge, seeking smarter ways to deliver public services through technology. Jakarta Smart City, J. SC wanted to identify areas for improvement by automatically collecting and analyzing feedback from citizens. What's automatically collecting and analyzing feedback? 
In the old days, you fill out a form on a website and then somebody reads it. Now, you could put that in a database and have it run some real-time analytics and tell you, well, the people of Jakarta hate us, they hate everything about us, and they want the government to go away. Okay, well, we don't need any of these features. Let's close up the government. goes on to say transformation. As part of a broader big data initiative, JSC has built a central platform that gathers feedback from mobile and social media channels and maps it against other data to identify problem hotspots. So what are they doing here? It says they're gathering feedback from mobile and social media channels, and then they're mapping it against other data to identify problem hotspots. What this looks like, folks is they are, in fact, listening to the citizens, listening in the form of spying. This doesn't say that citizens are filling out a questionnaire or citizens are leaving feedback on Yelp. This says that they are collecting, they are gathering feedback from mobile and social media channels, and then they're mapping this, so they're analyzing it against other data. So what they're actually doing is spying on folks within the so-called Jakarta Smart City and pulling information from all these different sources. They're not asking citizens to fill out a questionnaire. How easy would this be, folks? How many of you get the annoying silver alerts and things like that on your phone? I've been getting a text message for the last two weeks from the Census Bureau. I know it's not a scam because it's coming from census.gov. I checked it out. And they're texting saying, this is census.gov. You've been opted in to filling out a questionnaire. Uh, I don't do it, obviously. But since the government can already send you warnings of hurricanes coming, tornadoes, leave you. This is the city of Frederick County, Maryland. Please clear out. A tornado is coming. This is detective operator, department manager, Dick Johnson. Dick Johnson here. Please clear out. Tornado is coming. We get these all the time. So if the city of Jakarta or the city of Coral Gables or the city of anywhere USA wanted to be able to actually get feedback uh, from the citizens of their county, they could just send them a text message. It says, we'd like to get your input. And then you fill out a questionnaire, just like the fake questionnaires that Donald Trump sends out through the GOP's campaign list, where they pretend like they want to know what you care about. So they can collect data, and then the next email they send you will talk right to you. It'll say, hey, Dustin, we know you love guns. We'll protect the Second Amendment. They can do the same thing here if they want to do it. Instead, they are trolling mobile and social media channels to collect data. And then to analyze that. Oh, all in the name of helping the citizens? You are kidding me, folks. You are kidding me. Come on, folks. This is ridiculous. These folks are spying on us. Let me go through the rest of this at IBM. I'm going to show you what the city of Jakarta's smart city portal actually looks like. Let's see what the citizens are getting, the value they're getting in return for turning over all of their freedom, their liberty, their privacy, and their human autonomy to the city of Jakarta. I'll be right back. This is Dust to Gold with the Dust to Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dust and Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 